Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Are you neurodivergent in dealing with stress or an anxiety? Well, my next guest, Jennifer Melzer, is a anxiety and stress coach for those who are neurodivergent. We're going to sit back and talk to her and find out how she deals with it and how she helps those who have anxiety and stress. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and I'll see you on the other side. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Jennifer Merzer, who is a anxiety coach to help preteens and preteens with anxiety and stress. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am an American citizen, um, but I've been living abroad in Europe for over 20 years already, which um, blows my mind because my initial plan was two years and to just travel around Europe. And uh, I absolutely fell in love with it. And I've, I've been here ever since. Um, what else? Let's see. I have changed many, many careers over my, um, over my life or over my adult life, um, always working with things on the creativity end of the, the spectrum, I suppose. Um, but I realized at quite an early age that working in a corporate environment was not really for me with my different diagnoses uh, and realized somewhat recently that, um, you know, as a, as a single mother, I've had, uh, I've been a single mother for about 10 years um, until somewhat recently. And I'm, um, you know, I, I have my own um, diagnoses that I really struggle with. And then having a daughter that is feeling the same way, I realized that I could help other, uh, other kids, other parents that are struggling. And so I left the corporate environment to start doing, you know, something on my own that I felt was more um, aligned with my life and what I wanted to do and help other people with. And uh yeah, I guess that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> All right, so when were you diagnosed? That's that's really tough. I wasn't diagnosed officially until I was 40 years old, um, which was a really late diagnosis. I was always, well, I, I did have a diagnosis of depression um, from a very young age. I think um, 14 or 15, I received a, a diagnosis for depression, but ADD was not until I was 40, and uh, which made growing up really, really challenging. All right, so now, is your daughter diagnosed with ADD or ADHD? She is. Um, she has, ex she's like my carbon copy. She has all of the same diagnoses as I have, which is, um, well, we both have ADD, depression, general anxiety disorder. Um, and there's probably quite a few more, but I decided I, I didn't need any more of a report card. I was done with the diagnosis. I, I am who I am. She is who she is. All right, so you work with kids with stress and anxiety. What kind of tools do you use to help them out? 
Well, the the most important tools that I use are things that are um, not necessarily things that you would get from a doctor or from the medical system in general. One thing that I found is that in my own life, and this is from, you know, even being a teenager, as well as what I see today is the doctors or the medical society in general is very, very quick to just prescribe a pill and then leave things at that. And what I do by no means does it replace any sort of medication that might be necessary or anything that you need from um, healthcare. But I rather look at the things that I do as kind of a supplement. Um, and the things that I work with are the things that I've used my entire lifetime for myself without even realizing what was happening in my brain. These were just things that made me feel um, like I could get through the day and I could cope with life in general. So um, as I said, I'm, I'm very creative. So there's a lot of art that I do. Um, I call it mindful art because when I'm working with people that you know have a different type of diagnosis, um, whether it's something that they have an official diagnosis for or whether it's just suspect, a suspected um, diagnosis, I think it's really, really important to show them the power of using their brains creatively. Uh, and a lot of people can get caught up on the fact that they're not creative or, you know, they're not skilled, they're bad at art, um, you know, so on and so forth. I've, I've heard it all. Um, but when you're doing mindful art, the idea is to get really kind of, I'm trying to think of the, uh, now I'm hearing Swedish in my head sucked into, but that you wouldn't say that. I, I guess just get absorbed in the whole process um, rather than the outcome. And so when I'm doing mindful art with people, it's very, very similar to a normal mindfulness practice where you're going to be um, paying attention to everything that's around you the sounds, the smells, the, you know, all of your senses. And part of it can be, you know, moving your pen or um, making brush strokes with a, with a paintbrush and really, really focusing on the moment and getting in contact with your actual feelings rather than thinking about something in the past, thinking about something in the future. Um, some of the other things that I use with people are, well, other mindfulness practices, but also a lot of meditation and um, different things like working with gratitude, um, journaling, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, lots of different things that can help in addition to, um, you know, traditional, the traditional health care system, because they're things that are really easily accessible, things that even if you spend 10 minutes a day doing, um, you know, they're not going to solve all of our issues. They're not going to get rid of anxiety forever, but they are forever as in, you know, you're never going to have anxiety again. But the idea is to kind of develop some tools that you can use over time. And even if they only work when you're in the moment, that's still 10 minutes a day that you're not feeling anxious or depressed or, you know, any of these big emotions where you can mm -hmm. just focus on yourself and bring yourself down a level. So, yeah. Where do you see the most stress and anxiety coming from in teens and preteens? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I think a lot of it is general social anxiety because I'm working with a lot of people um, that are dealing with, you know, depression, autism, ADD, bipolar disorder. A lot of it has to do with society's expectations of them and feeling different um, in different situations. So a lot of them have a lot of um, anxiety when it comes to school. Um, when it comes to general interaction with other teenagers or people in their in their peer group. Um, a lot of things about change. I mean, when, uh, for example, with COVID, you know, being at school at home and then suddenly turning things around and having to be back in a classroom environment again. Um, I think a lot of the anxiety tri triggers are fairly similar to what neurotypical teenagers would have, but on a much bigger level, I think, and on a, well, definitely a bigger level. And I think more common or the, the situations happen a bit more often, I suppose. Um, yeah. What do you see is the number one thing most people stress about? Oh, gosh. That's tough. Um I mean, something that I, I see quite often, the pressures at school, I mm -hmm. think, um, not only the social aspects of school, but the academic pressures that we feel at school. Um, that's, that's really common. That's something that I'm seeing a lot. And I'm trying to think, I don't think that's anything that's really changed over time with, with COVID. Um, but I think it's just a, a something that's very common the older kids get when there's there's such a focus on, you know, how your grades are going to be in high school. How are you are you going to be able to get into college? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Um, a lot of pressure and it causes a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety rather than mm -hmm. just kind of focusing on what's happening right now and enjoying life as much as we can in the moment. And what have you taught yourself to help you with your own anxieties? Yeah, that's tough. That's really, really tough. And it's been, that's where everything has come from, all these tools that I use. Of course, I still feel anxiety. Yesterday is a, you know, a, a perfect example of that. I had an absolutely horrible day yesterday, a very high anxiety day. Um, what I did is I realized I had to remove myself from the situation physically. Um, so I did, I took some time where I, we, we had a party basically um, at the house because my old, my, my stepson or bonus son, as we say here was graduating. So we had lots of people over. It became very high anxiety for me. We, everybody was outside in the garden and I actually had to come inside and take a little bit of time for myself. And I did some breathing exercises um, and it, it took a little while. I think I was away for about 20 minutes or something before I finally felt I can handle this and went outside and joined everybody again. But I do have my practices for every day. Um, you know, I've learned a lot of breathing exercises, for example, that I can do when I start to feel this um, anxiousness. Mm. Um, 
or, you know, every day I have a practice where I do meditate every single day. I do, do journal every single day and I try to do something creative and it, it doesn't have to, I, I've got some, um, well, I've got a book here, but I guess you can't see it. So it doesn't really matter, but it's, you know, sometimes I'll just take like a, a pen and just make, you know, dots in different patterns, um, or just scribble on a page if I'm feeling really angry or just anything to kind of get it out of my body and uh, be able to then focus on something else. Okay. What do you see as most common in adults who have an anxiety and what do you think brings it up? Oh, I think it's the same things. I think um, because as kids and teenagers, we have these anxieties and we're not taught to learn how to deal with them. You know, the same anxieties are still there when we're adults. Um, it just changes, some of the triggers will change. So instead of it being school, you know, it's work, it's a career. You know, instead of being afraid of asking questions to a teacher, we don't wanna ask questions in a team meeting or if we're asked to do a presentation, that can cause a lot of anxiety. Um, same things, going to parties, being in new situations, having to take care of clients, or I think it's all the same things. It's just grown with us and mm -hmm. um, the ways to deal with these anxieties um, are basically the same. You, you, you can use the same tools. It's just the earlier we learn the tools, the easier, the easier it is to actually use them. And mm -hmm. that's one thing that I find uh, a lot of people don't realize. You can't use a tool in the moment if you don't know how to actually use it. So the idea is to start using and developing these tools when we're feeling fine. <laughs> so that when we come to a situation where we feel like we're going to have an anxiety attack, you can automatically use these breathing tools. For example, if you're out in public, um, without even really having to think about them. So you've already kind of perfected them and you know it's going to work instead of thinking like, oh, am I supposed to breathe in for five seconds or is it out for eight seconds? Or Because that's going to cause even more anxiety. All right. How does Sweden treat those who are neurotypical? Yeah. Oh, typical or diverse? Diverse. Diverse. Um, not as well as they should. I think, um, I mean, from, from the work that I do, I would say 99% of the work that I do is online. Um, and I do that mainly because living in Sweden, it's such a small place and I like to work in English since that's my, you know, my mother tongue or whatever. Um, one thing that I have found in Sweden being, um, neurodiverse myself and then with my daughter being neurodiverse, they don't do enough. For me, when I was diagnosed, because I was 40 years old, I was basically told that I wasn't eligible for any assistance or any help, um, any therapy, anything whatsoever, because I was quote unquote too old. The only thing that I was eligible for was to meet with a psychiatrist for medication. <laughs> um, with my daughter, because I'm trying to think how old she was, she was maybe nine. Nine when she first received a diagnosis. Um, she, of course, was able to see a psychiatrist. We did not go with medication. We um, 
in the beginning. She is on medication now. Um, but we tried to take different routes and try and navigate a little bit. Um, I think in the U.S. it's called an IEP mm-hmm. um, that you can receive at school. And they have something yeah. similar here that uh, people are entitled to. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the school is going to follow the rules. So we um, are in constant battles and constant struggles with the with the school system, the education system, Um because I don't feel that there are there are enough adaptations that are put into place for for kids, teenagers, students, even adults that uh, you know have a different kind of diagnosis. Um, and that's if you're going through the the private or excuse me, public route. If you're going through the public route, of course, anything's available if you have the money for it. You know, you can mm-hmm. get as much help as you want, but most people are not in that situation. So I think, you know, Sweden claims to be a place where, you know, there's no sort of uh, discrimination or, um, you know, they're going to they're going to be fair to everybody. But I think like so many other countries, it's just not not the way it is. There's still a bit of a stigma attached Um definitely a stigma attached when it comes to a social level but when it comes to even the way healthcare and the education system is is treating things i think there's a lot of room for improvement all right now do you see a pattern with preteens and teens when it comes to anxiety and stress mm. well i think a pattern. Um, I think the biggest thing would be just that um, things can get worse over time. If they don't learn these skills, these anxieties are going to fall. Or it's not even the anxieties because we're, we're never going to make the anxiety disappear. We don't want the anxiety to disappear. It's there for it's there for a reason. But we do want to be able to um control our response to the anxiety and how how we deal with it um but as far as as patterns i mean i think it's just kind of nothing specific that i can think of really it's just that it once we develop these specific particular anxieties that we feel they do tend to stay with us as we grow up just shifting a little bit and either how they present or what the actual triggers are but they're mm. always very similar to to how they started. All right. And how do you deal with people with stress? Because I know stress is a huge factor in a lot of people and everyone has different levels of stress. How do you tackle that? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to listen to yourself and to catch yourself in time. So um, when you start to feel like things are too much, we have to number one, be okay with admitting to ourselves that it is okay. We don't have to be superhuman. Um, If something is stressing us out, we need to acknowledge that, take a step back, Um, look at things from a different perspective. For example, think about it, um, try and remove ourselves from the situation. You know, what would I say to my best friend if she was telling me this is the way she would feel? I wouldn't tell her, keep going, keep going. You can do it. You can get through this. I would listen to her and try to empathize with her and tell her you need to listen to yourself. If you need a break, take a break. If you 
you know. Um, so I think the most important thing is that we listen to ourselves. We try and reduce whatever it is that's causing the stress because the better we feel, the, the better we're going to be able to handle the situations going forward. But if we just press ourselves through them, it's going to lead to burnout or, you know, it, it just has very negative um, mm -hmm. reactions. All right. Who seems to open up to you more, preteens or teens? I think preteens. I think preteens are a little bit easier. Teens are a little bit more shielded. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely preteens are are more, yeah, are definitely more open to begin with. I mean, of course, it, it depends from individual to individual. But if I'm looking at a general, if I'm generalizing, it would be preteens. All right. What's a typical day like for you? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I have noticed my own limitations. So I try and only work for four hours a day. Um, because I know once I hit that point, I'm just totally stressed out, overwhelmed, and then I'm not getting anything done. So the typical day for me would basically I um, wake up and I do a morning meditation. Um, then it's <laughs> this time of year, uh, where it's really, really nice in Sweden and in the summertime, I'll go outside and drink my coffee and just kind of take it very, very easy in the morning. Um, then I'll, I'll work for a few hours because I know that's when I'm very, um, that's when I'm the most productive is early in the morning or late in the evenings. So if when I'm working with clients or if I have a class, I'll tend to do them in the evenings um, after school for kids or on the weekends if they're if they're open to that. Uh, so yeah, a few hours of working, whether it's doing um, you know things behind the scene or behind the scenes or things uh, firsthand with with other people. And then um, what else? I, just a normal a normal day doing the things that we tend to do. And then I uh, try to do some art as well because that's something that I feel I need to do to balance myself. And then just spend the evenings with my with my family. And then another quick meditation before I go to bed, uh, a little bit of journaling about, you know, how my day went um, and also planning for the next day as well. So when I wake up the next morning, I don't feel completely stressed because I have no idea of what to expect for the day. So. All right. Do you know, do you work differently with adults than you do with teens and preteens? I think it's pretty much the routines are the same or that the tools are the same. I think the um, the way that you approach things might be differently. With teens, it can take a bit more of um, convincing that this is going to help. Whereas usually, because usually it's the parents that come to me, it's not the teens themselves. Whereas when it's adults that come to me, they're already sold on the idea. I mean, they've, they're, they're ready to go. So they're a lot more open. Um, so you can, in some ways you can get things done a bit faster. Or you can get into the, the meat of it with adults faster than kids. But I have to say that I find working with kids to be a lot more, um, rewarding to myself personally right now i understand you're right you've written a book a journal 
a journal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I've just released, um, I've just released a journal. I, I do plan on writing a book one of these days, but not, not quite yet. Um, but yeah, I just released a journal this week. Um, it's a bit of a different approach to, um, to an anxiety journal. Um, it is created specifically for kids that are, um, yeah, that are neurodiverse, um, neurodivergent. Um, yeah, for them to work with another teenager. So two kids together, um, good friends. The whole idea is that they are creating and nurturing their bond together and building a bit of a, a cheerleading session. Mm -hmm. So they are um, yeah, going through different things that causing not only things that cause anxiety, but working on the tools and the skills to help them um, against the anxiety that they're building. And one of the reasons I do it with the teens together is to kind of, you know, build each other up. Um, if there's things that you can't find about yourself that are super positive, then maybe your best friend can help you find things. Uh, and it's a really fun approach. So some of the things, for example, one of the activities is to make like a playlist on Spotify or, or whatever uh, music thing that you're using, kind of like I did back in the 80s and the 90s to make a playlist for one of my best friends when you, when you want to build them up. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of um, encouraging exercises that kids can do together, teenage or even adults could do it really to keep in their toolkit for when they're feeling really bad and ways to help them feel better with their anxiety. That's really good because I think a lot of kids I know out there are struggling to figure out who to trust, who not to trust as a friend. And if you can get that right friend to do the workbook with you, yeah. It could be, it can mean everything and it can mean nothing. Yeah. You could strike gold and you can find out, hey, this person could be my best friend. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a great way to dig deeper, build some empathy as well, learn things about your friend as well as, you know, learning and discovering things about yourself as well in a different way. It, you know, mm -hmm. you're not only working on, on yourself, you have somebody there doing it alongside with you, which which can be gold. Yeah, it can be because you you only know yourself to a point mm. where everyone else sees sees you in a different light, and this shit opens up that that book to your soul because you're if they're a true friend, they see beyond your interior, yeah, and they see the exterior the reverse that they see beyond your exterior and they see your interior and they can see that you're a genuine person. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the exercises um, that I, I did, and I've taken this into the journal as well, it was probably in my early twenties and I was reading a general self-help, uh, self, self-help book on happiness and one of the activities was to ask three different friends or something to write a letter to you about the qualities that they really admire and that was eye-opening I mean I remember sitting there and reading the letters with tears streaming down my face because I I didn't realize these things about myself and it was so beautiful to have somebody else telling me these things mm -hmm. 
And then I could reflect on them and say, I am really good at that. I Things I had never acknowledged before. And so I wanted to bring that to the journal as well, because that can be such a powerful thing. And finally, where can people find out more about you? Oh, goodness. Um, so my website is called jenniferlearning.com. Uh, it is a work in progress, but the book can be found at jenniferlearning.com slash workbook. Um, I also have, you know, one of the things I, I want to say is that because I spent 10 years as a single mom and because I know resources in a lot of places are limited, one of the things that's most important to me is making things accessible to everybody. So while I do have some products um, and some things that I sell, I also have some very, very um well, everything that I have is low cost because I do want to make it available, but I have lots of free re resources there as well. Um, I definitely recommend the workbook. It's brand new. It's digital. So you can download it and the, and the kids can get working on it straight away. I also have a really cool workshop coming up next month that people can get on a waiting list for. And that's all about breathing intentionally. So different breathing exercises for anxiety, um, hopefully in time before. I mean, the idea is, is to get it out to people before kids go back to school so they have the tools available. But yeah, jenniferlearning.com is where you can find me. And I'll leave a link in the description down below. And that's it, everyone. That was Jennifer Murid. Um, I'll see you in the next one. See you there, everybody. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the music ride the way but keep the message question this dimension is still deception every entrance have good intentions no exceptions and leave the rest up to the heavens your only plan to be the seek and become yourself because more than half would you believe in was crafted to be misleading for the benefit of someone else i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't fit in i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't, I don't fit in hey hey yeah i don't fit in Applause. I don't walk right into traps While you closing in the walls I be using out the cracks And relax, don't breathe These are the facts Supposedly stutters Living a mask Suckers Keep moving along to the beat Brainwash, rinse and repeat Keep pulling about with the sheep I'll go, bottom with Eve Know what I mean? Probably not Honesty shocks the spineless The only box I'll ever fit in Is the one that I die I wanna believe in the truth But only see what I'm shown Got the freedom to choose But can't decide on my own Follow what the group is thinking Bottle up my intuition Till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition. Till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in.